On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we travel to 18th century New Orleans with a front row seat for the epitome of homosexual vampire angst in Anne Rice's Two Men and a Baby. <laughs> Sorry, I mean Interview with the Vampire, and its star-studded 1994 film adaptation of the same name. And we ask the question, is Hollywood's aging up of Claudia less or more cringe? Mm. Also, older me realizes now that I prefer the less moody and less whiny, yet holder of significantly more red flags. Let's start. <laughs> Content warning. This story covers a lot. We're going to talk about it. And the slavery. There's some weird child, yet not child, kind of sex stuff. It's it's borderline, but close enough to go, Ew. There's a uh, human sacrifice. That's a thing. And uh, all-around murder. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, the podcast where we, Mel B and Jackie D, your hosts, drunkenly break down book-to-screen adaptations each week. We flip a coin to see who will read or watch first, then we come together to compare notes and see if how closely the adaptation follows the book, which we prefer or not prefer, and if the order in which we read-watched... <laughs> affects our reviews and why do we do all this who knows really why not because we want to because we want to absolutely jackie spot on but also we figured since we want to do this why don't we give back a little bit and by give back that means we watch we read so you don't have to dnf and that's bookish for did not finish get your minds out of the gutter people gutter if this is your first time with us, welcome. If you're returning, we love you. And if you haven't done so already, please take a moment to give us a rating. Five stars if you think we deserve it. And leave a review. Because apparently that's the thing that matters are the reviews. It really helps. Especially on Apple because it makes our podcast more visible to everyone else. Which I guess is kind of what we want to do. I mean, more listeners would be better more for us, I think. Yeah. Uh, also, check us out on the social medias. The Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, and of course, the TikTok. At ReadWatchDNF. Yeah, Mel's favorite, favorite social media platform, I think. I do love TikTok. I actually was fucking around on TikTok when Jackie's like, are you ready? I'm ready. We're, we're supposed to be doing this. And I'm like, oh, shit. Hold on. I'll be right there. And by right there, I mean I still have to do everything I need to to get ready. So, hold on. News coming up this month. So this month we are launching a social media, or I guess some more than one social media campaigns. Um, and we are also launching our first Discord. Uh, so check us out, our sites, for an invite, or you can message us directly on any of our social media accounts, and we'll send you an invite directly. Why Discord? Again, why not? Because we want to. But also because some people have asked us, you know, like, what books are you reading? What are you doing next? And we figure we could share that information and also maybe have a little book club at the same time. So you guys can read along, share with us, share your, be a part of the show, really, because this is a collaborative 
you know, experience here. We want everyone to be a part of it. If not, then it's just me and Jackie staring at each other <laughs> through a monitor when we live in the same house. Well, right now she's not in the same house, so it's a bit more, you know, reasonable. But most of the time when we record this, we are literally in the same house, just in separate rooms. Yeah. Sometimes we can hear each other through the door. Yeah, the doors to the <clears throat> rooms are maybe, what, you 10 feet apart, if that? 10 feet, if yeah. that, if that. You know, but here we are with our fucking microphones and our squad casts and our AirPods and looking at each other. And I'm like, hi. <laughs> but anyway, we digress. The Discord is for you to join us. We'll post updates, events. We've actually considered what we're going to do is maybe do some watch parties. You guys can watch the adaptations with us. Or maybe if Jackie's drunk enough, we can live stream a recording. Uh, Mel was saying if I'm drunk enough is because that's what it's going to take for her to convince me to do it. Yes. It's this thing called inhibitions that go away. Yeah, I'm going to... Don't worry, guys. I'm going to get her done. All right? Hmm. We're going to have it. (laughs) It's a lot of whiskey. I'm warning you. Dedications this week. We are... uh, This week, all of our F-bombs are actually going out to all of those people who do follow our social medias. Uh, There's not a lot of you. I mean, actually, reasonably speaking, there are in the hundreds... So that's kind of crazy for us, you know, two full-time working moms who are really not that interesting. Um, (laughs) And and as our daughters call us, we're cringe. But you guys follow and you support us and it's really cool. So these F-bombs are for you. All right, Jackie, what are we drinking this week? Well, I am uh, drinking, I had intended to drink a an Abita, which is a beer from Louisiana, mm. but then I came to Georgia, and mm. uh, we went to Statesboro, home of my alma mater, Georgia Southern University, and there's this uh, brewery there called the Eagle Creek Brewing Company, and they have this wonderful River Street Praline. It's a brown ale. Uh, River Street is a street in Savannah. I thought this was an appropriate pick because Savannah, much like New Orleans, is steeped in Old South history. And people get really, really drunk there. Because in case you didn't know, Savannah, you can go into a bar and get a beer to go, walk around on the street and drink it. (laughs) It's hazardous for your health and well-being... Because River Street is nothing but cobblestones, and in order to get up to the main street, you have to walk these, what I like to call, murder stairs. There's no railings, they're very steep, and when it rains, they are very slick. (laughs) There are probably a lot of accidents there. This sounds, this is very specific, Jackie. I feel like you have some personal experience with this. Not with the actual falling me, but I've heard a lot of stories. You? Really, Jackie? Yeah. You not tripping. Well, because because despite how drunk I might be in Savannah, I know well enough not to walk on those damn stairs. Why this is funny is because Jackie does not need to drink, be drunk, um, have steps or anything really to fall on her face. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've seen her do it multiple times and it is uh, it's impressive to be quite honest. After you get off to the first shock, it is hilarious. Walking down a perfectly straight, smooth sidewalk, and I'm on the ground. And then, bam! Jackie's there, and then she's not. Yep. 
Um, and Mel made herself a little concoction. Would you like to share what that concoction I is? I do. I do. I will share. Um, if you are following us on the social medias, you probably have seen it already. We did a video about it. Um, it's kind of cool. It's called the Vampire's Kiss mm-hmm. Martini. And it is it inspired by this week's episode. Because if you did not know, Interview with the Vampire is about vampires. Mm-hmm. And this drink is called the Vampire's Kiss. It is vodka, passion fruit, chambord. Most my favorite. new favorite. Oh, God, it's so good. Uh, it's shaken with ice, strained, and then topped with champagne. And for me, anything that is remotely pink and bubbly makes it all the better. So there's that. It's delicious. Uh, We're going to introduce something new to the show because we realize, you know, not everyone out there drinks like us. And that's okay because respect. So we figure we're going to include some virgin or mocktail versions of the drinks that we drink. I think I just said virgin and drink probably 13 times in that sentence. So for this... The Vampire's Kiss Mocktail Martini, or Mocktini, you're going to go ahead and get still the same passion uh, passion fruit puree, dark grape juice, and then you're going to top it with sparkling cider. You can either just pour it directly into glass, or you can shake the puree and the dark grape juice with ice, and then top it. All right, Jackie, you got a drinking game for us? Of course I do. There are several for this podcast, um, or for this book, movie, whatever. Uh, Drunken Me has one. Uh, I want my interview with the vampire, or I want my IWTV.com has one. They Uh, have a whole website? Oh, it's from 2018. Yeah, yeah. I was like, do people still make websites like that? But hmm. (laughs) Yes. I'm going with the one from drinkwen.ca because I miss our Canadian friends. We do love our Canadian friends, yeah. Mm, yeah. So, very simple. Five rules. Anyone says vampire. Anyone dies. You see blood. You see a coffin. Or there's a cut to the interview. Anytime you see a co- Oh, yeah, there are lots of... Okay, so here's the thing. Is it you just drink once when you see coffins... Or is it a drink per coffin that you see in it the scene? doesn't specify, but I figure if you want to get really messed up, drink for every coffin you see. Because there's that one scene where he's, you know, scorched earth. Yeah. And there's there's got to be at least 20 coffins yeah. in that room. Yeah. Okay. And I wonder if the above-ground mausoleums would count in New Orleans if they show a cemetery. But is that a coffin? No, I guess or- not. But it's a sarcophagus. It's a building that houses coffins. Yeah. So guess how many coffins are in there and take that many drinks? Because some of them are big. Oh, yeah. Big, important Some of them have, like, whole family, like, bloodlines. Not just nuclear families. You're talking Mm -hmm. great-grandma, great-great-grandma, great-great-great-grandma. Yep. Damn. Yeah, do that. Is that it? Yeah, that's, that's pretty simple. Oh. Let's talk about who read and who watched first. So here's the thing. Jackie and I got a little lazy, all right? And it was my birthday month, and we just sat down and watched it together. But we didn't watch the whole thing. 
So we started watching it. So I, uh, I want to say I watched first and then read. Um, and then Jackie and I abandoned reading and went for the audiobook and started doing that together. Because there's something about not having chapters in a book that our brains can just not function. And the paragraphs are so long. They're so long. Why are they so, so fucking long? long? You're talking like, there's a paragraph, I shit you not, that lasted three pages. Mm-hmm. How, how is that? Why? Who, who was the editor that was like, that's cool? You know what it reminded me of, though? Now it just clicks, clicks in my brain. Uh, what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Sucks people's energy out. Yeah, it's like what did it? What was that? A, like a psychic vampire? Yeah, <laughs> that's what this book is. Anyway, we'll get we'll get into that later. Okay. But yeah, so watched it on Apple. I have it. I own it. Um, and that is, I could not find a free option for you guys. There's a lot of like very cheap rentals, Amazon Prime, all, all of those, like three dollars. Um, but yeah, I bought it, watched it, then read the paper book paper book the paperback i guess it <laughs> well, is a I mean, paper it's a book. paper book yeah yeah it's not to- I'm, I'm not wrong <laughs> i read the paperback uh and this is a funny thing so it doesn't have like a lot of front matter in the book and then you just open it and it says interview with the vampire and i started reading but the thing is this book has it's it's uh introduced by audrey and I'm going to say this name very slowly. Niffenegger. Niffenegger. Yeah. She's actually the author of The Time Traveler's Wife. The thing, she writes like, it's called an appreciation. She introduces this book. But here, I, I didn't know that's what this was. I didn't do, I didn't look at the bottom, read all the small print or fine print, whatever the fuck. I just started reading, and I was so thoroughly confused because I'm like, I don't really remember this from the movie, but whatever. <laughs> and then it starts talking about Anne Rice. I'm like, why is Anne Rice including herself in this story? And then I realized, oh, this is not part of the book. Let me um, fast forward, per se, and just start reading this. So uh, I did not read the whole thing. I really don't know what it's about. I don't know why this author of The Time Traveler's Wife is writing about Anne Rice, but that's the paper book I have. The paper book, I said it again. Ha! <laughs> that's going to be the new uh, rewatch. Rewatch. I rewatched the paper book. So. <laughs> I love it. Uh, like Mel said, I watched part of it with her. Uh, I finished it later on my own while I was reading the book. I read the Kindle edition, obviously. I always do. Uh, and then we swapped to the audiobook because mm-hmm. we just, we couldn't. Mm. We could not. Mm-mm. Okay, let's get into the overview of this story. What we're going to be talking about interview with the vampire. Jackie, will you give us the synopsis from the book? So I couldn't really find a good one that didn't give away the entire story. (laughs) A three-page paragraph? Yes. Uh, I found one, it just says, a vampire named Louis de Pont-du-Lac 
tells his 200-year-long life story to a reporter referred to simply as The Boy. <laughs> There's some interesting facts. It started out as a short story, and then I guess it just took hold of Anne Rice, and she couldn't stop, and it turned into a book. Um, but it was rejected several times by many publishers. I and, wonder why. And she developed OCD as a result. Okay. I don't see the connection, but... It, you listen, you know, we are not psychiatrists. Yeah. But apparently uh, it did well enough that it ended up spawning 12 sequels and a spinoff series, The New Tales of the Vampires. Wait a minute. There are 12 books in uh, this? I thought there were three. I don't... The way it was worded, it said 12 sequels and a spinoff series, but... I don't know if the 12 includes, because I know Armand had a book. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was just Interview, Lestat, and Queen of the Dam. That's what it originally started out with. Wow. Okay. We're about to piss off like a whole fandom right now, because you know Anne Rice got some cult followers. Yeah. 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 They're entitled to their opinions. They sure are. You sure are. As we you are. and Rice Cultus. We are entitled to ours, so. Exactly, and here's ours. No. <laughs> We're gonna, we are gonna shove our opinions down your motherfucking throat. Yep. Movie. This is what it says on IMDb. This is a synopsis. A vampire tells his epic story. Love, betrayal, loneliness, and hunger. So. It was directed by Neil Jordan. I looked him up. I, okay, he's directed a bunch of stuff. But I would think the most well-known would be the Borgias, mm-hmm. the, the series on Showtime. But he's written a lot of stuff. He was the writer for The Crying Game. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's written a lot mm-hmm. of stuff like that. Uh, this movie is two hours and three minutes long. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if you're going to dedicate the time, just make, just it, it's two hours. Okay? It is rated R for vampire violence and gore. And for sexuality. <gasps> Heaven forbid. Was there actual gore in it? I don't remember. Was it, what was gore? Uh, I think they have to set that bar really, really low because people who have very weak stomachs wouldn't be oh. able to take it. I mean, Is that gore? I guess blood. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, uh, okay, fine. I thought gore was like more than that. Like guts. Gory guts. Anyway, whatever. I'm probably fucking stupid. Don't listen to me. So its estimated budget, and this was in 1993, remember, it came out in 94, was $60 million. Opening weekend, it made half that, 36, which is not terrible. It's opening weekend, fine. Worldwide, it made $223 million. So it made a profit, whatever. I felt, okay, interesting fact on this, when I was doing some research, this blew my mind. So listen to this. All of the actors playing vampires were required to hang upside down for up to 30 minutes at a time during makeup. This would force all the blood in their bodies to rush to their heads, causing the blood vessels to, um, or in their face to bulge. So the makeup artists would then trace over the swollen veins, creating that eerie, like translucent skinned look. But it says, unfortunately for the actors, they would have to repeat the process several times over as the blood would quickly drain from their heads because, you know, yeah. biology, your body's like, this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So this, in part, accounts for the lengthy makeup process that they had. Oh, well. Okay, so here's my question. You want to have this sort of veiny, pale look on the vampires. What is stopping the makeup artist from just drawing those veins? That's a valid question, and it demands an answer. Because I feel like I don't need to hang upside down for 30 minutes. You can just put the fucking veins wherever you feel like it. Because mm-hmm. like, all they're doing is they're tracing it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else that's happening that they need the vein to do that. It doesn't seem. So, because I know like I'm looking straight on right now. I don't see any of my veins in my face. Mm-hmm. So just, just put the fucking veins wherever you goddamn want it. Or, you know, open up a book of anatomy and put them where they should be. Yeah, but I feel like veins can... Aren't the, can veins go, like, wherever they want, kind of? Like, nobody's veins are created equal. I don't know. Like, I don't even need... I don't even think they need to do that much work. Just take whatever you're using to create vein-like imagery and just go at it. But you know what? Remember, Jackie, we've had this conversation. As I get older and older, I just stop asking questions. Because it's just... It, right? It's not worth okay. your time. It's not worth my time. But you know what is worth my time? Hmm. Reviews. Yes. Reviews are always Um, worth your time. I do love reviews. Mm -hmm. Jackie, the floor is yours. Well, thank you. I would like to give everybody a little um, heads up. I found my new spirit animal in one of these reviews. Mm -hmm. Not going to speak for Mel, but I think this person should also be... One of her spirit animals, at least. Or at least our best friend. Yes. I would like to have a drink with her. Yeah. yeah. Or a few. Yeah. At Jimbo's. Goodreads. It has an average of 4.01 out of 5. There are just over 537,000 ratings. Of those ratings, there are about 12,500 reviews. Hmm. The highest percentage at 37% was 5 out of 5. Hmm. 4 was 34, 3 was 20%, 2 was 5%, and 1 was 1%. I honestly wonder... uh, So, Anne Rice is one of those authors who you either like her or you don't. And most of the people, I think, who don't would never even attempt to read her books because it's just not their thing. Yeah. I think that is the reason for... Very, very high ratings. Yeah, because you're going at it because that's that's your jam. Yeah. Like, we read Sarah J. Mass because we are absolutely fanatical yeah. about her, and I don't think we would give anything below, like, four being no. the lowest. Oh, definitely. So, <laughs> so, but there are people that, like, get into one of her books and are like, oh, fuck this, I cannot one star. Yeah. And then Jackie and I take that personally. Yeah, we do. It hurts a lot. Because you shouldn't have started in the first place. That's not... Okay, don't listen to Jackie, though. No. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> you start whatever book you want, and if it is not your jam, it is not your jam, and you DNF the shit out of that. Anyway, reviews. Okay. okay. Five out of five. I read all the books a long time ago. Back in my 20s. I'm now 53 years young. Smiley face emoji. And I was and still am a fan of Anne Rice. The first book I ever read of Anne's was The Witching Hour, which was given to me by a friend, and from then I was hooked onto everything that she did. The book Interview with a a Vampire. Oh, she got it wrong. The Vampire. 
was so much better than the film, which I've always felt was miscast. Not going to argue with her there. Because reading the book first, long before the film was released, I would have never imagined Tom Cruise as Lestat. These Chronicles are by far the best vampire books I've ever, in all caps, read. R.I.P. Anne Rice. And for those of you who didn't know, Anne Rice died last year on December 11th. R.I.P. Yep. we got to pour one out just yep. for her. I'm not going to because the carpet and everything. But figuratively speaking, I would have poured one out. Okay, three out of five. I first read this book in high school, and my sad gothic self immediately fell in love with its beautiful, damaged characters. For years, this book haunted me. The rest of the vampire books were pulpy fun, but this book really had something. She captured something here, and her almost baroque prose really carries a story. Later in life, I came to realize that Interview is a kind of catcher in the rye for goths. Louis is turned into a vampire and continues his search for the answers. Who is he? Why is he? What, what's his place? What his place is? <laughs> he wars with lovers, family, and friends in a search to define his own life, only to discover that nothing he does matters and that everyone is just as lost as he is. And ultimately, there are no answers but the ones we make ourselves. Oh, that is, that was a very nice review. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's a good review. I think it speaks to like people that feel it's going to speak to a group of people. Yeah. Shows that the person actually related to him. Yeah. Which it's a good thing when, and when an author manages, yeah. When an author manages to write a character, especially a freaking vampire that Mm. a reader will relate to is kind of crazy. Good job. Anne Rice. Yep. Okay, and my last one, this is from our hopefully soon-to-be best friend. Um, It's a one out of five. It's hard to admit that a movie with Tom Cruise in it could actually be less boring than a book. I guess she's not a Tom Cruise fan. But there you go. I read this when I was a teen, and I had a much higher tolerance for meandering bullshit plots than I do now. So my review was originally three stars. However, on reflection... Yeah, this was pretty much crap. Sorry if this offends any Rice fanatics. Hmm, no, on reflection, I really don't care who it offends. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I, you know what? I love it. Yeah. We, we tell you this, guys, sometimes when we read these reviews, like, stop saying you're sorry for giving your opinion because that's what it is it's just a fucking opinion and you know what you can do when you don't like an opinion you can tune it out (laughs) you don't have to listen yeah so voice your truth all right movie reviews these are from imdb users uh there's 319,811 last time i checked user reviews and it got a weighted average of 7.5 out of 10 so i mean on the higher end for a movie and i I get it. I think this is another one of those, like you said with the book. If this is not your jam, you're probably not going to watch it. So people that are really into this are going to love it, I think. Yeah. Um, I would. The highest review percentage is actually 8 out of 10. And by a lot, it was 35. Uh, 30, 30.5%, 30. I should say. So, 10 out of 10. A romantic horror. It's one of my favorites. It's different from all the vampire movies before because it's a romantic story. I, um, um, did any, do anybody watch Dracula? 
because that's that's a whole bunch of love. That's like eight love stories in one. Mm-hmm. But you know, whatever. Okay, maybe maybe they haven't. But anyway, that is based on the pure, almost human feelings of a suffering, not of this world being. How is it almost human? But you know, I, I'm, okay, I'm going to stop digressing. <coughs> it's a great story, even if you only read the book. I don't. What? Okay. I gotta digress one more time. What does that even mean? Only, even if you only read the book, like, okay, it is okay. Maybe okay. Yeah, it's a good story, even if you just read the book, and you don't watch it. I, okay, but I believe that the directors made a really great job. That's what they say. Has made a really great job. The sets, the portrayal of those years are very authentic. Okay, and the acting is just as it was supposed to be. What? Okay. Okay, I'm just going to get through this. The characters are all captivating, both positive and negative ones. I think they mean, like, bad guys. Yeah. (laughs) Brad Pitt is in one of his best roles. Tom Cruise, even if not the best choice for Lestat, as Anne Rice complained herself, proves to be very appropriate in the role. And Kirsten Dunst, a child actor, proved that she was a great amount of talent. And as we can see in the film, she made after. Yeah. You know what she did shortly after this? Hmm. It was a Lifetime movie, 15 and Pregnant. Oh, okay. Look it up. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, Kirsten's great. It's a great movie, and I can't help but seeing it over and over again. Like, you just kind of fall into it. Like, all of a sudden, you're like, I should really get some work done. And then, bam, interview with the vampires on. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> like, I just can't stop watching it. Uh. <laughs> falling through life is like it's always on oh god (laughs) you wake up in the middle of night it's playing on tv you're like how did this happen it just pops on you have a poltergeist and an interview with the vampires on you're both you and your invading poltergeist are both like brad pitt fans (laughs) okay five out of ten just okay I watched this film with no preconception of what this film will be about, except for the obvious or how good it is, and I still somehow felt quite disappointed. As expected, it was a predictable Hollywood popcorn flick. It has its big stars and its pretty effects, and that's about it. Though it was interesting how the gay subtext was tackled, other than that, the film's script is beyond mediocre. I mean, Pitt's role is not really salvageable. That character is beyond insufferable. I will agree. On the other hand, Kirsten Dunst and Tom Cruise in substantial roles. I don't know what he keeps using or she, whatever, these, these, stop. Like, just, sub, what is substantial? They're all major roles. Like, Louis yeah. is a main character. Anyway, whatever. Did their best to impress. Dunst left me with mixed feelings. Okay. She was impressive when she was playing as a youngster version he wrote that youngster version of her role, but as her character, like in quotes, age, I think they mean like later on when she's really supposed to be like 30 something yeah. and she's still a child. I did not see a change that I believe the character should have. Meanwhile, Tom Cruise was more impressive in his role. I mean, he have he have the showiest role after all. It has the right amount of pizzazz and motherly touch that his character imbued but it was nothing special. What? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe this is not an English speaker. Like for for the most part it's pretty straight. Like that's why I didn't automatically think it wasn't uh, Amer- like English native. But now I don't know. <laughs> Overall, the film was just painfully okay. And everything about 
leaves you wanting for more as nothing really leaves a big impression. The sentence structure is amazing. Okay, wouldn't if something leaves you wanting more, wouldn't that mean that it did make a big impression? Take Crescent City when we first read Crescent City. Yes, amazing, and we just we want we want more. We want more. I I think he's he or she's probably saying it leaves you like unsatisfied. Okay. Even though they went in with no preconceptions of what the film was about or how good it would be. Yeah. Clearly yeah. he had expectations. I love how we just keep saying he. We're we're terrible. We're I don't I don't I didn't look at the profile. It could it could be male or female or something in between. Mm-hmm. One out of ten. <clears throat> Here we go. How awful question mark. Very awful exclamation point. The occasional good horror flick can make an interesting evening. Vampires are always fun. And hey, here we have some named stars, Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. And it all does come together to produce one of the most god-awful, boring, nauseating, dumb, in all caps, movies ever made. You can't make out what's happening because of the dark lighting and artsy-dartsy camera work. You can't hear what's happening because when Pitt and Cruz aren't screaming their lines in anger, they're mumbling them. Okay, we all know that vampires drink blood, but a 90-minute vampire movie should offer a little meatier plot than an infinity of back-to-back vampire attacks. The stock of the company that makes fake blood must have jumped the week they filmed this epic schleppic. (laughs) Rarely has so much of it been shed, spilled, saved, sprayed, sucked, sipped, and swallowed. Oh my god. I know. Maybe if I tried watching again while munching on some garlic dot dot dot. <laughs> Good job. That was a yeah. great review. Yeah. I liked it. I liked that a lot. Especially with all the <laughs> S's at the end. <laughs> Shed, spilled, saved, sprayed, sucked, sipped, and swallowed. Wow. Okay, characters. Let's just do this real quick. Um, we, we basically got like five characters, and that's both movie and book. It's Louis, Lestat, Claudia, Armand, and the boy, a.k.a. Daniel, who's the reporter. There you go. You're welcome. Moving on. Casting. Casting of these five. You know who I forgot? Oh, you put him in there. The reporter, Christian Slater. If you don't know who that is, then I I don't know what the fuck can tell you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Louis, Brad Pitt, again, duh. Lestat, Tom Cruise, duh. Duh, duh, duh. Claudia... Kirsten Dunst, even as a child, you know who she fucking was. Armand, Antonio Banderas. The, all the does. Like, does anybody? Zorro, whatever? I mean, come on. Mr. So, Melanie Griffith, at least for a while. Mr. Melanie Griffith. Yep. And stepdad to, uh, what's her face that's in Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Yep. Okay. So, with the casting, I, I think Jackie and I... Not, well, I know I watched this forever when I was younger, and this is who I picture. Like, these are the people I picture when somebody says one of these characters, um, and that's from watching the movie. And these, again, these are huge names, huge. Every single person cast in this movie that, like, that we just listed, big actor, even at that time. I read a review when I was in research. Somebody was like, this, you know, was like the star of their careers. I'm like, in 94? No, it wasn't. No, like uh, there were a shit ton of movies in the eighties that Tom Cruise was in, 
uh, Risky Business, um, Cocktail. Top Gun. Top Gun. Um, oh, shit ton. Yeah, like, this was not the start. The only one maybe Kirsten Dunst. Antonio Banderas and Brad Pitt had been around. They know, that's why they were cast in these roles, because they were fucking huge. They would make And they movie. still are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, no. Nah. No, these massive movies. So that's who I think of when I hear these names. So when I'm reading the book or listening to it with the Audible, um, that's who I'm picturing. But I, doing some research, you know, we read that a lot of people had complaints with the casting. That's most of the reviews. You go one after the other. It's like casting, casting, casting. Even um, they talk about how Anne Rice was not a fan of the casting. I, I don't know. I don't just say this is who I picture, but I guess if you if you talk about the actual descriptions of them in the book, like Lestat is supposed to be tall and um, you know the blonde hair and kind of lanky, but like a good physique. He's a pretty boy. Louis is also supposed to be really really attractive. I mean Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. There you go. But Tom um, Louis is supposed to have the brown hair, so everyone's like, you cast the blonde for the brunette and you cast a brunette for the blonde, but they're wearing wigs. So, I mean, I don't know why that's an issue, but the height thing, I guess I can understand that because Brad Pitt is not significantly taller than Tom Cruise, but he is like, he's got a head on him. So, but does it really matter? Like, well, through a reading lot the of, book, yeah, a lot of their scenes together though, they were sitting down or stuff was happening where the camera wouldn't yeah. be on both of them at the same time. So it's and not I'm like sure it... Tom Cruise was doing like what he normally does and wears the platforms, right? Mm-hmm. His shoes. But what I'm asking is, after reading the book, is the stats height like? Is does it matter? Was that really a huge? Yeah, I don't think it was a huge deal. Um, we're not talking like let's say they start casting for like Ice Planet or Ice Planet Barbarians or something like those fuckers are supposed to be like seven foot, or if they when they're filming for Avatar, they're all like six five or above. You know, yeah. like that's that's a difference. You're talking like these are supposed to be huge dudes, yeah, right. So when you're talking about like The Witcher and they cast Henry Cavill, like Henry Cavill is a huge dude mm-hmm. because Geralt is a huge fucking dude. Mm, so if they would have cast delicious. somebody like. Um, Toby Maguire to Ugh. play Geralt. Like, I'd have a fucking problem with that casting. I would not watch but, it. Yeah. <laughs> but looking at this casting and watching the movie, like, I don't have an issue with the casting. No, because, I mean, it's like the one review uh, of the book said, it's like Catcher in the Rye for Goss. I mean, you're going there because of the story. You're not going there yeah. to see two people duke it out or have some big muscly fight or anything like that. Yeah, and I think them casting, you know, these classically handsome men in these roles did sort of like a good service to the movie because if you read the story, these vampires are supposed to be gorgeous, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I talk about all the time. Like, oh my God, you're flawless. Your skin is beautiful. Oh my God, you're so great. So who else are you going to cast when that's all they fucking talk about? Is how beautiful they are. Mm-hmm. Beautiful people. That's who you're going to cast. Yeah. And at that time, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, and Tony Banderas are fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd even argue today they'd still compete for just beautiful goddamn people. Mm-hmm. Okay? We did just watch Top Gun, right? Yes. Um, yes. Tom Cruise, you're ridiculous. You're a maniac. But you're still, like, I would not kick you out of bed. <laughs> would I... Flaunt you around? No. 
I mean, okay, in a real world, I'd be like, oh my god, I just shagged Tom Cruise. Yeah. Does anyone? I would just be for bragging rights. Like, after that, do I want to do anything else with you? No. Because you're fucking crazy. But would I kick you out of bed? Absolutely not. You'll stay right there. <laughs> so... <laughs> so, one last thing with casting. I did not have an issue with, I still don't have an issue with, but reading the book, or should say listening to the book, and knowing that Claudia's character is actually really, really young. She's five, right? I can't remember. Like, she's she's just really young. She's not 12 like she is in the movie. Obviously, in the movie, they, they're not saying outright what her age is. But it's Kirsten Dunst, and she was 11, 12 years old when they were filming. So here you have 11, 12-year-old, which is very, very different than a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Now... My question earlier was, is it less cringe or more cringe for the aging up that they did? If you consider the context, like... Well, she says a lot of the same things from the book to the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the stuff that she says, while generally cringy, like calling Louie her lover and stuff, um, it's a little teensy tiny little bit less cringy in the movie than it would be in the book okay but is it though because 12 year old claudia saying my lover gives me lolita vibes Mm -hmm. while if it were a five-year-old like let's think about um drew barrymore in Mm et okay if she's supposed to be playing a much older persona Mm-hmm. It's almost at that point, like, it, it feels supernatural, right? Yeah. You have this. Okay, so um, what's that stupid Disney movie they just did um, where they're all superheroes and the... Oh, uh, is it Encanto? No, 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 no. no. The, the live action one where, like, what's-his-face oh. from Game of Thrones was in it. Oh, oh. Salma Hayek was in it. The guard, no. The Eternals? My God. The Eternals, yes. So they have that one character, she's like a pixie thing or whatever. Yeah. And obviously she's just as old as they are, but she's talking about how, you know, like, I'll never be able to be an adult and blah, blah, blah. Like, you're getting that supernatural sci-fi feel. Even though she is older, she's just not a woman, right? Like, I connect that and nothing ever felt cringy about it. Mm -hmm. But when you have this 12-year-old portraying it and there's not a lot of like more context to it it just feels very lolita-ish to me okay after reading that she's supposed to be five is strange yeah somebody probably most people out there are like no it's, it's probably better which it might be i just i digress yeah i think i'm maybe because i have a 12 year old daughter and just thinking her picturing her talking like that is very strange to me that might have been my my barrier Let's just go with any child saying some of that stuff or being that like that is just cringy. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's cringy. Just look at them and be like, who hurt you? All right. I have my uh, second drink. Went down, made myself another. I'm getting good at this. But I definitely made it strong. It is pure vodka at this point, I think. But it's okay. I'm going to make it through. I'm on beer number four at the house. Damn! But we went to a Mexican restaurant in Statesboro called El Sombrero's. And I had fried burritos 
which I'm pretty sure are called chimichangas. Um, mm-hmm. And it was covered with queso and red sauce. And it was delicious. I'm so fucking hungry right now. How dare you talk about Mexican food like that in my presence. I'm sorry. Anyway. Well, since we're we're good and saucy, why don't we get into the meat of this podcast to start breaking down this adaptation? Remember, we have the 1970-something interview with the vampire. Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice. And the 1994 movie of the same name. First thing, let's talk about what the movie did get right. And I guess maybe we don't use the phrase get right because it's an adaptation. So there are some liberties that they can take. Um, But this becomes that argument that Jackie and I always have, which is when do you say it's based on and when do you say it's inspired by? I would say overall this movie is based on the book. It's very, very close. Uh, So similarities that we have between the book and the movie are um, Lestat sort of manipulates Louis' grief, though those griefs are caused by different things from book to movie. Um, That's how Lestat like changes him. And then the whole thing is he wants to get the plantation and he's manipulating Louis. So that's the same. Uh, Louis doesn't like to kill humans. That is the same. His character doesn't change that way. Um, and he is he is the one that found Claudia and Bitter because he was weak. Is that a little... Okay. I'm not trying to get on a soapbox here or say that there's anything problematic about this. I know it's just a way to introduce this character. And I don't think Anne Rice would do anything untoward for the character of Claudia because I believe this character is supposed to be um, based on her own daughter Mm -hmm. that had passed away when she was young. So with that out of the way, is it a little strange that we have this man who cannot bring himself to feed on people, right? Doesn't want adults, okay? Now just stay with me. Remember, the whole concept of vampires is supposed to be inherently sexual, The whole biting, sucking, licking, that thing. It's very sexual. So he cannot do this with other people, a.k.a. adults. But he finds this little girl all by herself, and now he can do it. I'm just going to let you chew on that a little bit. He might have... Tried to justify it, being like, well, she's going to die anyway because everybody has the plague, so. But also, like, she's diseased and disgusting and going to die, and you're like, yes. (laughs) Yum. Tasty snack. I mean, it's not really too far a step away from rats. (laughs) I mean, yeah, kids are awful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to go deep, deep into that. I'm just going to just food for thought. But yes, he did find her. He did bite her. Lestat then turned her. Because for some reason, Lestat is like always like shadowing Louis. When Louis thinks he's on his own, Lestat's just there stalking him. Mm-hmm. Which is just also strange. I think, <laughs> I think Lestat is very, very sadistic. He just... 
sees something and he wants to exploit it just for somebody else's pain. Mm. Sure. I'll go with that. I might be in this mode of like, Lestat's fine. <laughs> he's like, he's he's my Carol Baskins for interviewing oh, them. I'm God. like, allegedly, allegedly. Okay. You were vindicated. <laughs> I was vindicated. They found her fucking supposedly dead husband somewhere in some island screwing little girls. Anyway, um, so yeah, Lestat did turn her... And that was what he kept this like a secret from them. Like he's like, I know all the vampire stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you because you need me. And then Louis kind of figures out that he doesn't fucking know anything. What a con yeah. artist. I don't need him. He needs me. Yeah. Yeah. Because without me, he wouldn't have any money and be able to live the life that he wants to live or ish. Exactly. Live ish. Okay, so Lestat does all of this manipulative bullshit, um, but it really, in essence, he creates this little family when he turns Claudia, which is kind of cool, which is the same between the book and the movie, so um, that does happen. The difference, though, is that Claudia is five, very young, baby, but in the movie, that's the discussion we have about aging it up. I, I, I get, I mean... Maybe it's difficult to try and find a five-year-old that can act that way, That I guess. So they went with Kirsten Dunst, and I thought she was amazing. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, it makes sense why they aged her up or uh, whatever. So there's that. Um, Claudia also does hate Lestat like Louis does after a while. So that's the same. At first, I think she just didn't know any better, but as she's grown older, she's like, this fucking dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but she blames him. She blames him because she's a child still. Like she doesn't, after 30 something years, she doesn't want to be a child anymore, which, I mean, can you blame her? Well, and but, he keeps bringing her dolls and stuff like that, and she's like, another doll. Yeah. Yeah, which I couldn't really understand. Like, what was his game? Like, did he really feel like this was a family? Even though he's doing all this manipulative bullshit, he's just a narcissist. It's like, no, I love you. I think I think he turned her because he knew that it would keep Louis around. He thought Louis was going to leave. Yeah, that is that's fact. I I'm on that camp as well. I just like the way he acts with Claudia is very. I want. I just, for lack of a better, like loves her right as a child. But I think maybe that's where the animosity grows between them because he's still loving her like a child, but she's like, "I'm dude, I'm forty. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've, I've been around the block a few times and I'm over it." Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. She also, as the same, is the one that kills Lestat. She uses the twins to poison him, which, even from the movie and the book I don't I still don't really understand how that happened because they can't drink from a dead like once the heart stops they can't drink from them because then that's poison like it wasn't what she poisoned the twins with is that killed the side it was a fact that they were actually dead but still warm laudanum or something yeah I'm not a doctor I don't know how this works but I just thought that was very very specific but okay listen 
hear me out. It's not a soapbox per se, just a talking point, something to consider. We're brought up now in this generation of understanding that vampires have these heightened senses, they hear, see, um, feel, you know, their speed, their strength is, that's what sets them apart. They are inhuman. And I feel like Anne Rice, for the most part, it, it, she perpetuates that, right? Mm-hmm. So, if Lestat is going up to these twin boys to start drinking, why does he not know or realize that they don't have a heartbeat? How? He should. Shouldn't it one thing that he hears, right? Well, it's like in the book when they're racing towards the duel because yep, the Lestat wants to kill the guy, but Louis wants to stop him. They're on horses. Why mm-hmm. do they need horses? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially when, like, in the movie when you see them fighting um, at the party or whatever outside after, I think it's Louis killed the dogs and the woman's screaming <laughs> and mm-hmm. Lestat comes over and kind of, they kind of get into it. Remember, again, because he could not do it with the grown woman. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. yeah Go ahead. But why, why <laughs> do they need to race to this duel? On horses. Mm-hmm. Why can't they just run mm-hmm. really, really fast? Yeah. Maybe even jump just... really far a couple times. Yeah. And in the movie, they made Lestat fly. That's mm-hmm. not something he does in the book, but why didn't he just fly around? Mm-hmm. Anyway, not going to go too deep into that. Just some food for thought. Okay. If they're so amazing, how did he not realize that these fuckers were dead? No heartbeat. Doesn't matter if they're warm. Not breathing, no heart. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Louis and Claudia then do go on this sort of um, journey to find other vampires because they're, they want to know more about themselves. So this is the part where, okay, it is the same between the movie and the book like that this happens. But I will admit that the book made me understand why they were doing this a bit better. Because in the movie, they're like, oh, all of a sudden, now we're in Paris. Mm-mm. Like, why? And then they're like, here's more vampires. Yay. But now I get it. It's because they've been bamboozled by by Lestat for so long, and they're, they're ignorant to what they are, right? It's sort of like, I akin it to, you know, a child that was adopted, right, um, from a different country. And then when they get older, like, they really want to understand, like, where they come from, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so they go searching sort of this to find themselves. That's what it, it now I understand. I'm going to be honest. I never got that from the movie for the longest time. And it might just because I'm dumb. So you're not just, just saying, just yeah. saying. Uh, then there's uh, more homosexuality angst between Louis and Armand. That is the same. Okay. It's the same, but I feel like to not the same degree between they the book and the movie. They underplayed it a lot in the movie. Yeah, like, Because uh, when we were doing research, everyone was like, oh, yeah, and then him and Armand, him and Armand. And I'm like, I guess. And then reading the book, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what was happening. But it didn't feel that way in the movie, but it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, Claudia does die. That is the same because, you know, she killed Lestat and they found out. I just want to know, like, 
why they even bring it up. Bring what up? That list that they killed list up, or that it came, it came out somehow. I forget, but they they found out and then killed her. Didn't they say in the movie as well that you're not supposed to change children? Yeah, that's a big thing. Was yeah. I think Stephanie Meyer might have been inspired by that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But yeah, I just th- then that was all sort of a blur. But it is the same. But it was a blur to me, mm-hmm. both book and movie. I'm like, okay, they kill Sad. They went on search. I was like, but how do these vampires know that this happened? But then also, I wonder like. Is it because Lestat was, like, behind it the whole time? In the book, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, there's that implication that he was... But it's never apparent in the movie. Yeah, it's not apparent, but it kind of plays out the same way. Um, And then uh, all the interview scenes were spot on, which, like, they use the same dialogue from uh, from the book in the movie. The... The boy, or Daniel, doesn't really have a whole lot to say in the book anyway, so mm-hmm. it was easy just to copy his lines down. <laughs> okay. So, we have a good basis here. The movie is definitely based on the book. Similar. Let's talk about, like, where they start to sort of depart mildly. Like, these are differences, but they're not major differences, one thing I thought I said this earlier is that in the movie, Lestat flies. He like picks Louis up and they, they fly up and then he drops him. Uh, why? That, he does not fly. Was it just for effect, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen a vampire fly, really. Unless they turn uh, into a bat. Yeah, I guess it like depends on what you vampire universe you're in but yeah this one in the book he doesn't fly like none of them fly they have um i think this is sort of a trend between it where they some sort of skill or feature that they had in their human life gets like amplified when they turn so like lestat's like really good at reading people which kind of when he turned now he can read minds something like that yeah uh, but no, nobody's flying, so that's the one thing. Um, another thing was the the blood tears. It was very true blood of them, or should I say, true blood copied that. But that doesn't happen in the book. I just, I just wonder, like, what the point of that change is in Hollywood. They're like, yeah, he's crying, but you know what? He cries blood. Like, what? Okay, sure, fantastic. Um, da, 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 da. I guess it kind of makes sense because the only fluids running through their bodies are blood when they're vampires. So how do they form tears? How do they make tears? I mean, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. And Jackie being all sciencey. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. essentially just walking marble statues with hair. Yeah. So there's some. They made some changes to the how their teeth are than how the book describes them which i again i think that's just for cinematic effects so i don't give it too much grief um yeah the whole dead blood thing too that's the movie so the fact that um she killed lissette with the twins and this is where i think i'm just falling off now because i don't i don't really understand how she did that 
and then the movie just I think the movie making it that it's the dead blood is that is my sort of vindication where they're like we don't fucking get it either so here we're just gonna make up <laughs> yeah they're like you know what um they're dead so you got like you can't drink dead blood that's gross <laughs> but the movie writers like didn't think <laughs> yeah to um yeah it was their easy out yeah explain that but here's the best part Anne Rice was a huge part of yeah. making this movie. And some of the differences that we're going to get into were her idea. So why are these sort of... Ugh, whatever, you know, like... It's mm-hmm. shit like this that makes me believe that these authors really are just for the money. And they don't actually care about these stories or these characters. I, if I was, if I spent all this time and effort and brain power yeah. to write a novel, even a yeah, short story, there like, yeah, a fucking poem, you're not changing shit. Like, <laughs> this is my baby. But she's like, yeah, you know what? Oh, dead blood, yeah, why not? Sure. But do we know why? Does it matter? Like, I'm still getting proceeds, right? so okay so there's that um and then there's the when they go to paris like it's not them going directly from new orleans to paris like they do like a whole they do like a whole european tour essentially and i think they're in russia as well which also kind of doesn't make sense because they end in paris but they go through sort of these eastern european it almost countries. made it sound like they went into the Mediterranean and then went all the way east in the Mediterranean and then landed. Because he talks about going to Greece and and stuff like that, but they didn't get off yeah. the boat. Sure. They're like, let's go to the sunniest place. Yeah. First. Makes super sense. But it makes no fucking sense. That's what it does. But sure, whatever. One other thing, though, mild change that I did, and I believe, I accept this for just pure cinematic reasons, is the like when Claudia gets frustrated and she cuts her hair, then it just grows immediately back. They're like, no, you'll always be this way. Um, really, that takes like overnight, mm-hmm. right? If, if they get hurt or injured or cut their hair or whatever, like overnight, it goes back to where it was. Uh, so I like I don't grief that because in the movie that's just a weird thing to waste time on and it's more dramatic if it's like fuck this hair I'm cutting it all off and then bam mm-hmm. Goldilocks again right so that's just something it wasn't really important either way why spend any time on it now major differences let's start at the beginning Louis is not grieving his wife and child in the book. And the movie goes, oh, I'm grieving my wife, child, died in childbirth, or some bullshit like that. Um, he is grieving his brother's death. And he still has family that's alive. Mm-hmm. I, this is the change that Anne really made them do. And I want to know why. Because... I, I think I read somewhere that it was... It would be easier for viewers to accept Claudia becoming a vampire in the relationship between Louis and Claudia because he had lost a child. Mm-hmm. I think because Anne Rice, after the fact, realized that she inadvertently created a pedophile. 
I think that's why. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe we don't have this bachelor who's mourning his brother who is also, like, kind of attracted to this dude vampire. Um, let's not make him that. Let's make him, like, a... It's like, my wife, my baby. But, yeah, so that's huge that that changes because also with the death of his brother, it sort of alludes to the fact that, like, Lestat killed him. Yeah, because he inexplicably flat fell onto this... Yeah, it, like, pushed forward, like, somebody yeah. ran real fast and got him and then he's dead. So I think this is... It sets the stage for Lestat was endgame, like, really long endgame with mm-hmm. this where he manipulated it from the beginning. Um... Yeah, so movie, he's got his wife and child, and then Lestat sort of, in the same nature of it, I guess, where he comes in, manipulates the situation, Louis doesn't want to live anymore, he's just drinking, he's not taking care of his plantation, um, he's just a drunkard, and Lestat comes up, up upon him. So, from here, in the book, it takes a while for Lestat to find him again, mm-hmm. to change so he just drains him of his blood. He almost dies, but then he recovers. Then Lestat comes back and changes him. And here's the thing. So let's think, talk about the book for a second. When Lestat comes back, mind you, it's his, his sister is in the room with him. And then Lestat does something to sort of glamour her or whatever, where she kind of falls asleep. Then he puts something over her head. Which is also kind of weird. It's like, if you if you made her go to sleep, why do you need to cover her up? But whatever. Just making sure. Uh, and then he has this conversation where he convinces Louis, right, to let him change him. But Louis still has family. Like, he has his sister. He has two sisters? Uh, no, just the one sister and his mother. Mother. Mother, yeah. There's two females. The sister and his mother. So they're still alive. And then he has this whole thing when he knows that he's turning, like, talking to his sister, like, like, yeah, you need to just, um, you know, take it over. Take over the, like, why, why would you not just, if you're so worried about them, why wouldn't you just do that? Like, why would you just snap out of it and take care of the plantation and take care of your family if you're so worried about your sister and mother? Well, I mean, it, later on, after he's changed, he talks about how he sent them to New Orleans because he was living at the plantation, and he made yeah. sure that they were taken care of, whatever they wanted, yeah. whatever they needed, and stuff like that, but I guess he didn't see them that often. Like, he mentions having some kind of illness during her wedding, and then also during their mother's funeral and stuff like that. He took care of them, made sure that they had every everything that they wanted or needed, but mm-hmm. from a distance. I think, honestly, he was just trying to hold on to his humanity. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, Lestat just got him in his moment of weakness and manipulated yeah. him, and he's like, sure. Which, when you're drained of all your blood and you're feverish and hallucinating, probably. Sure, I'll do anything. Super... I'll to make it go away. Yeah. Yeah, and you're already super sad about other stuff, so there's that. Um, There's definitely more supernatural stuff in the book, like how his brother is essentially, like, seeing visions Mm -hmm. and all. There's more of that in the book. Yeah, Yeah, so in the movie, they just kind of downplayed. Obviously, his brother's not a thing in the movie. They should have downplayed, and they're like, there's just vampires, and Lestat wanted the plantation. Now, 
reading the book, finally, Lestat is not much older than Louis. Mm-hmm. Lestat's father is still alive, which hence is the reason he's doing all the manipulative shit because he wants to take care of his blind father. So he wants money. He's like a he's a like a hustler. Yeah. Right? Okay. From the movie, and the movie being my only source of information, I always thought Lestat was fucking old. And that's the way like, they make it that's the way they make it seem in the movie. They make it seem like he's been around for possibly hundreds of years. Yeah. He talked about old Paris and this and that and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, he's got he's got to be like already 300 years old at this point. Yeah, and I no, th- he's like 30. <laughs> I, and I think the the way they play it in the in the movie kind of does a disservice to Louis in the end because in the book he's able to figure this puzzle out of Lestat and realize, wait a second, this guy doesn't know shit. I could figure all this stuff out myself. Why am I keeping him around? Yeah. In the and movie, it's where... yeah. In the movie, it's a lot easier to see how he could be manipulated because you think that Lestat is a lot older. Which I think, like, okay, let's just put our, us in his in Louis's shoes for a minute. All right, um, we're just living our day to day lives, and then somebody comes to us and is like, "I can make this all better by making you a vampire." Now, Jackie and I may be a little biased. Or maybe I specifically would be very biased because if somebody came to me and was like, I can make you a vampire, I'm like, bet, I'm down. Like, let's go. Everything's perfect in my life, still going to do it. Um, so maybe I'm not the best judge of character. But I think at this point where you, if you're somebody to come to you and be like, you know what? It's all real. Vampires are real and all this other bullshit's real. I'd be like, I'm down. <laughs> so you might you're probably not going to ask those types of questions like really how old are you yeah. this that you're just like fuck this is real let's go i i would ask the question okay so they're vampires are fey real yeah i just if you know a fey lord a high lord somewhere his name that might be looking for a high lady his, i'm available his, his name might be reese um <laughs> Sign you know, or or whatever, any of them. Like, is it all real? I want to be part of your world. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think that we both, the audience or people, I don't know. Maybe okay. If anyone out there that's not like a huge Anne Rice cultist, that is just a, a layman like us that watch this movie, do you agree that you felt like he was a lot older, or are we just dumb? Somebody answer that. Preferably nicely. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Lestat's dad is alive. He's blind. That's why he's doing all this. He's a hustler. He's, like, picking pockets, investing money, and loan sharks. Who fucking knows? So, they are at the plantation, and that, um, whatchamacallit, uh, slaves. Yeah. That is the word I was looking for. The slaves. The indentured servants, a.k.a. slaves. Um... And they're not indentured, I'm just joking. They're slaves because they're never buying their freedom back. Uh, they're the ones that start to realize that something's not right. Now, here's the thing. Anne Rice, in the book, she goes into like all this detail about how they're still, like, they're not that far off from still being African. And 
tribal and they have all these old ways and they're not like the other types of slaves where they're just beat down and know that they're okay i get that she's trying to showcase this sort of power in them that they're carrying over from their country and their tribe but there's just something that was so disingenuous about the way that she wrote it where i was like i kept rolling my eyes i'm like stop stop she almost made them seem like overly suspicious people or super yeah. superstitious people. Or like there was something outer world about them because they carried the old ways from their tribe. And it's like, no, they're normal human beings that know how other normal human beings should act. And when they see their owner slash plantation head, whatever, not eating, not coming out during the day... Other slaves are dying suspiciously. All the chickens are dead in the coop. Like, you start to put one and one together, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing about, oh, because they're a slave. They come from the old, because they do this, and they're so close to their tribe, and they've only they've just come over from being captured and then slaved. I'm like, shut up. Especially, they're people. Especially when you have <laughs> house slaves who are responsible for cleaning rooms and part of cleaning rooms is emptying chamber pots and chamber pots and are never getting filled. Yeah. And also there's just coffins in rooms which they understand because they are human beings that that is not something that's normal. That is, they know, they figure out that is supposed to be for a dead person, and we don't keep dead people in the house. Mm-hmm. No, but there's because they're African. And Rice, RIP, but shut your fucking mouth. Like, I hate that. I think this is my soapbox right now. I think this is when you have, like, super entitled, bullshit white people that want to write these stories, which there's nothing wrong about adding characters. Like we all know that slavery was fucking atrocious and there's enough information out there for you to be able to sort of like write it accurately. But when you spend that much attention and detail on describing their tribal ways, which you fucking have no idea about, like it's just so disingenuous. You're like, please stop. They are slaves. They are, they are a captive audience, literally. And they are there witnessing everything that goes against what it is to be a human being. So that's why they're suspicious. Not because of whatever tribal bullshit you want to talk about that you know nothing about. Okay, putting box away. <laughs> Fucking Anne Rice. Good job. It just, I get, it get me so angry when I'm reading that. I'm like, Ugh. Well, it was, it was a period of time where people, I don't think, were extremely authentic in some things. Yeah, no. No, there's no authenticity. Just, yeah. Go fuck yourselves. Okay. The the thing that we're, I think we're, we started talking about this was the trip now. Okay. So, we talked about the same, some mild changes, but big difference is, after it's all said and done, and Claudia have sort of escaped Lestat because they, they Lestat, because they feel like he is, or they believe that he is dead, um, they decide to go on this journey, right, to sort of find themselves and what it means to be a vampire, and they go to the sunniest fucking place on the planet um, to start their journey because they're like, that's where the vampires will be. Uh, <laughs> and they make themselves away. So Paris is not, like, where they immediately go. They're they're traveling all over the place. So that's the movie just makes it seem like they go straight to to Paris. 
Um, they also do find some vampires along the way. So Armand is not the first one that they come into contact with. Also, Armand... I'm not saying that I hate Antonio Banderas playing Armand. But Armand is supposed to be like a Slavic vampire. Mm-hmm. He's fucking old. He's come from the old land, which is, I think he might even be Russian. I Don't quote me. Who knows? Um, but he's not Antonio Banderas. <laughs> he's not Spanish. And then you're like, you know who's going to be good for this? The Spaniard. <laughs> well, again, miscasting. 1492. Yeah. Christopher Columbus, who was Italian, mm-hmm. played by Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, a the French, French a French actor. With hey, a come huge on, nose. Hey, come on, man. So they end up in Paris. There's like they're finally I I, I guess this is some sort of enlightening thing because they find this coven and they're learning what it is to be a vampire. Which okay. They are killing humans for basically sport, and they're doing it in front of an audience. But for some reason, Louis is like, I like this dude. Yeah. Yet you spent all this time hating on Lestat, who is just embracing who he is and trying to take care of his dad. But you're like, nah, I'm going to give up this one dude that does it to go live with these 20 that do it. On a stage. Yeah. To me, that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) And not consistent with Louis as a character. Because in the movie, when Claudia dies, he's like, fuck this, I'm out. Like, screw all of you. But in the book, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. In the book, he's like, I love Armand. Yeah. Stays with him. Him and I. Yeah, we're going to be a thing. Love him. (laughs) Even though he's killing people. Puts on a show about killing people. You know, sacrificing the maidens on stage. I like them. Isn't it one of I the s- main rules in all of vampire lore that you're not supposed to broadcast what you are? And here you're selling tickets. But that's like everyone thinks it's an act. Yeah, so it's, I guess it's, it's convenient. Yeah, it's convenient that it's a theater. Nobody knows the truth. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. People are stupid. Um, people really are dumb, including vampires, because they're also pretty fucking dumb, from mm-hmm. what I take from this. Yeah. Uh, so that's I think that's probably the biggest thing is, in the book he stays with Armand for a while and he's like, we're doing this domesticated thing. But in the movie he's like, nah, Claudia, which he. Again, is this Anne Rice trying to fix her own mistakes? Because if if you think about it, Claudia's dead. He loved Claudia like a daughter, clearly. Uh, This man had a part in her demise. And he's like, I love you, boo. (laughs) Like, that's that's problematic, right? In the book. But I digress. Um... And then the big ending difference now is Lestat and the vampire. Because in the movie, Louis... 
No, Louis, like, I think he scares Daniel. Yeah, because Daniel's like, make me one of you. I want to I wanna have this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's like, like that. And he, he, like, grabs him by the throat, basically shoves him up into the ceiling and says, do you like this? Do you want this? Or something along those lines. And then... And he's like, yes, daddy. He, yeah. But then he leaves him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He disappears. So then Daniel's in his, in his car, and that's where Lestat kind of jumps in and hears the tapes, and he's like, ugh. God, he's still whining. Like, I listened to that for <laughs> centuries. And here's the thing, though. Uh, no, you didn't. Yeah. You, 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 Maybe a decade, like, a couple decades? Yeah. Not even, like, half a century. Yeah. So what are you talking about, Lestat? But, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, and Unless then, he was, like, know, stalking him and just hovering in the background. Yes. But in the book, Louis does bite and drink from Daniel, the boy. But that's, he doesn't do that in the movie. And then Lestat doesn't turn the reporter. Because at the end of the movie, it makes it seem like Lestat did or is going to change the reporter. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is like that, is there going to be a sequel? Which they did sort of do, but it was completely different. They didn't use any of the same characters. Yeah, the well, the next book was The Vampire Lestat, but I think the next movie was Queen of the Damned, right? Yeah, with which was absolutely fucking horrible. Hmm. It was so bad. With Aaliyah and whatever his fucking name is. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to tell you this. I did not realize that Queen of the Damned was part of that. Oh, really? Until I, I was like, oh, Queen of the... Oh, yeah, oh, there's that. And then... Oh, that's part of his chronicles. And that's the same Lestat. It made, like, what? The last book in the series was written in 2018, or published, and it's called Blood Communion, A Tale of Prince Lestat. Oh. That was her last book. So, I know that there are people out there that love these sequels that just go on and on and on. And I'll, I'll be, I'll admit when it comes to things like Akatar or Crescent City, I'm there with you. I'll fucking follow these. Eight books later, I'm there. But some of these, especially in the romance genre, which I kind of feel these sort of fall into, where it reminds me of like a soap opera. Mm-hmm. Where you just you just keep going and you keep going and there's characters and this and that. And then there's that one um, series I was talking about, like the Black Dagger Brotherhood, mm-hmm. which is a vampire romance, whatever, whatever. I was into it for, I was hard into it. I was obsessing over it. But then I just, like, stopped caring. Like, I can't go on that long. Like, it has to end. Yeah. Right? And I don't think that ending should be because the author died. I think the ending should be, like, just close out the story. I don't need General Hospital or whatever that fucking show was or, you know, (laughs) Days of Our Lives. Like, I I don't need this to go on for 30 years. Like, just end it. I want closure. Yeah. But some people out there love it. And if you're one of those, go for it. Like, you know those romance series where each book now follows a different character? No. Virgin There's, River's like you, that. That show on Netflix, yeah. Virgin River. It's based on yeah. the books, the Virgin River books. But it's each book has a different main central character. But they're all part of the same community. And there's got there's a point where it's like, I don't care about that character. Mm-hmm. Because I remember that character from book three 
when they were the tertiary of tertiary of tertiary characters. Yeah. And now I'm supposed to give a shit about them, and I don't. Uh, so there's lots of times with these long, long series, I just stop when I'm like, you know what? These are the characters I cared about. Not, not doing this anymore. So that's what this is reminding me of. These Vampire Chronicles, like enough. Mm-hmm. Or when you have this one central character, like how much shit are they doing? A lot. Apparently. What is what is Lestat doing? Like, why do we need twelve books? Mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm done with him. Well, and apparently, Please stop. Apparently, the uh, the Vampire Chronicles exists in the same universe as the Lives of the Mayfair Witches. So I think there's some crossover occasionally. What is it? The Lives of the Mayfair Witches. What the fuck is that? Is that her stuff? Yeah. Oh, she writes witches shit too. Yeah. Oh, she did. Yeah. Oh. I just know her for this, and, like, I know she writes some pretty hardcore erotica stuff, like that Cinderella. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah, under Apparently Anne Rice is a big fan of pegging. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't read any of them. (laughs) Oh, God. I just hear people talking about them, like, damn, really? Well, I know in the Vampire Chronicles I've read... Interview with the Vampire, the Vampire Lestat, and Queen of the Damned. I think I read... Oh, you did? Yes. I think I read The Tale of the Body Thief. I read The Vampire Armand, which is book number six. And I've read Pandora, which is New Tales of the Vampires. Which, I will say this. Pandora? Totally different. Totally okay. different. I'm just going to take your word for it. Yeah, just just do that. Don't Don't bother. I, I'm learning some new. I did not realize that Jackie read all these books. Yeah, it, I mean, it was almost it was almost like, okay, it seemed like somebody read the Vampire Chronicles and they're like, you know what, Anne, there's not enough sex in this, and she's like, okay, oh. I give you the new Vampire Chronicles or whatever. Yeah, that's what she's she's really embracing her kinky side. Yeah. No, no judgment, respect. No. Listen, no. I'm all about some smut, and if it's got vampires in it, bring it on. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our reviews. Yeah, let's. Let's do it. Mm. You know, I will go first. I think you should. I feel as if my entire life has been a lie. Because I can pretty clearly remember when I was 12 years old, I would have dropped everything, anything, to watch this movie. I would wait. For it to come on and be on like on some TV network, you know, even with commercials and editing. I'm like, let's go! Watch it, Ed! Um, it, and now, and Jackie can back me up on this. Mm-hmm. These are the actual words that came out of my mouth not too long ago. I would rather watch Twilight. So, the movie I'm going to give a 5 out of 10. It, it, it's fine. It's not trash. I think when it comes to movies, if you're break it down like critically, it's fine. It's got it's got good actors. I think it's got pretty great acting. The it's visually beautiful. Yes, and also like it's got some hot guys in it. If you're gonna watch it for that, why not? Now, the book, on the other hand, what the actual fuck did I read? Because I have discovered my brain 
cannot function properly in the absence of chapters. I cannot do it. Yeah. Or, other theory, this book was really just 400 pages of nonsensical rambling. So I am going to give this book a one out of five. I think For me, it was fucking horrendous. I think, honestly, it has more to do with the nonsensical rambling than the lack of chapters. Because there could be books out there that are just one long chapter. but Just one long paragraph. Yeah. Just 400 pages of one paragraph. I yeah. feel like I would be okay with it if it wasn't rambling. Yeah. And that's what this was. Somebody's monologue. <sighs> okay. A very boring monologue. <laughs> okay book first my 16 year old self would probably give this a 4 out of or a 5 out of 5 mm-hmm. my 42 year old self however would like to smack her and tell her to do better I give the book a 1 damn yeah. uh, she m- said fuck and rise R.I.P. Yep. I mean yeah definitely respect for the woman she wrote a lot. Oh, she's a class. She's an, she's an icon. Yeah. That's not... Our our ridiculous opinions here are not going to change that. She's an icon. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Just not a fan of some of the writing. Okay. I will never read another Anne Rice book in my life yeah. unless we do some of the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I won't force you. Um, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> unless someone holds a gun to my head, I will not read any other Anne Rice books. <laughs> or Louisa May Alcott. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Uh, okay, movie. This is one of the few times that I'm actually going to be harsher than Mel, mm. I think. Mm. Two out of ten. I like this growth. Two out Get of it. ten. Get it. One of those stars is for Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt specifically, not for the okay. character he plays. Got it. Brad Pitt. Brad All Pitt. the stars for yeah. you, man. And the other one is for the epic fit Claudia throws. Kirsten Dunst. Oh, yeah. That is, yeah. That is I, the that highlight. Why, that is the highlight of the movie. I think that might be why I loved it as a kid, because I'm like, yeah! Yeah, she's, that's right. She's a child, but she's powerful. Get it, fuck him. Mm-hmm. She's throwing a tantrum, but she's still gonna fuck your world. I'm like, get it. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Brad Pitt. That's someone I would, not only would I not kick him out of bed, I would probably tie him to my bed. Yeah. <laughs> Misery, go misery on him. Yeah, I'm not going to say where I heard this from, honestly, because I don't remember. But apparently, Brad Pitt, not only is he gorgeous, he is talented with an extraordinary member. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, no. So... Okay. Now, we read slash listened (laughs) and watched. In pieces. Possibly, it may even count as a DNF. It was was touch and go there for a while. But we made it through and here we are. So I am going to say watch really for the main reason you get Brad Pitt. And a Tom Cruise. I don't think that Tom Cruise... I think he was good in this movie. I think he was attractive in this just, like, throwing all the red flags at you. But you're like, I'm down. I'll do it. Like, I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and Antonio Banderas, which, okay, I'm not the biggest Antonio Banderas fan, but I appreciate him. So I think if you have, and Christian Slater, if you have all of them together in a movie, just for nostalgia's sake, as us maybe not 20-year-old women, appreciate it. Oh, so yeah, watch it. It's just straight 90s. Yeah. That's, I love it. Yeah, watch it for that. If you, if you have to, watch it. Uh, I got one. It's not really a word. It's a sound. Meh. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't. Never again. Jackie's like, do whatever you want. Just don't talk to me about it. Yeah. I don't want to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's how little I care about this book and this movie. I can't even say do one or the other. Yeah. But I'm also not going to waste my time saying just don't bother. It's just do whatever you want. Just understand that there are consequences to your choices. Just for some perspective, so Jack and I were excited. We were like, yeah, let's watch it. Let's watch it. Watch it. We sat down and probably like 15, 20 minutes in, both of us were on our phones, which is not like shocking. Um, but then about 45, maybe an hour in, I was like, I want to go to bed. Yeah. Jackie's like, yeah, me too. Yeah. Then it was probably a day or two later where like, Jackie goes, should we finish the movie? And I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> Here, Here's an idea, Mel. How about we don't do nostalgia picks anymore? Yeah, because it's just kind of ruining. We, we've had a couple that just ruined it. Yeah. The only one that I Thankfully, would consider like a nostalgia pick that I liked was Bridget Jones, but that wasn't from too long ago, so. Bridget Jones wasn't bad. Yeah. The movie and the book were not the most similar, but they both had their... Because it was funny, too, yeah. so... Yeah. <sighs> okay, well... That's done. Next week... Yeah. <laughs> next week... September is all about Stephen King. Stephen motherfucking King. Now, somebody might be thinking, oh, Stephen King, horror... Yes, but no. We're going to focus on his, like, non-traditional horror books for September. Meaning Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, etc. So next week, we are going to do his novella. It's not a full novel, it's a novella. And it's The Body, which is the source material for that movie, Stand By Me. Rest in peace, River Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's next week for us. So let's now flip a coin to see who's going to read first. I will get said coin. Biscuits. Okay, Jackie. Okay. Are you calling heads or are you calling tails? Mm, I'm going to go with tails. Tails to do what? Read first. Okay, Jackie's calling tails to read first. I will be heads to read first. Let's see. I'm going to do it in the drawer so it doesn't go anywhere. Okay. Okay. Heads or tails? Heads or tails? It is tails. So you're going to read first. I will watch first. It's a good thing I brought the book with me. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That would have been bad. Yeah. Because Jackie can't read it on Kindle this time. It was cheaper on paperback. And it actually looks kind of nice. 
I think you got the same one that I got from Barnes and Noble. It might be the only imprint edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the. Yeah. Okay, so next week, the body. Jackie's reading first. I am watching first. Um, again, don't forget to like, follow, share social medias, leave a review, do something, message us for Discord, anything. Until next week, then. Bye. Bye.